Good morning and happy Easter. If you would, take your Bibles and uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. There's also a listening guide on the webpage. I'd invite you to download that and follow along as we go through the message this morning. Um, Acts chapter 2. I like Coke Zero. And uh, when I'm in a restaurant and uh, the server is taking my drink order, uh, I'll ask the server, do you have Coke Zero? And in a good restaurant and on a good day, uh, the server will say, yes, of course, we have Coke Zero. And I'll say, yes, bring me a Coke Zero. Score. Uh, My dinner just got a little bit better. However, sadly, uh, too many times the server will say, no, I'm sorry, we don't have Coke Zero, uh, but we do have Diet Coke. Would you like to have a Diet Coke? Well, Not really. (laughs) No, but okay, bring me a Diet Coke. But it's not the same. It's just not the same. It is a sad substitution for the real thing. Coke Zero is the real thing. Perhaps one positive development in this time of pandemic quarantine is that in our lives we are beginning to recognize what's really valuable and not so valuable and what is essential and non-essential, what's important and what's not so important. And uh, we are finding ourselves missing things that we just took for granted just a, a month ago. And, and, and maybe in this time of quarantine, maybe we'll begin to recognize some things for the sad substitutions that they really are. If you have your listening guide, let me show you three of these sad substitutions just as a way of getting ready for the text. Um, one sad substitution would be this, that social media is not the same as social interaction. Social media is just not the same as social interaction, social connections, as as personal relationships. And what we're hearing is that in this time of isolation, people are turning to social media more than ever before. But the truth is, is that social media is not the same. And those friends and followers who like your posts and who may share your posts, It's not the same thing as true friendship. True friendship's like you, and they want to share life with you. It's just not the same. And along those same lines, texting is not the same as a face-to-face conversation. Over the years, I've I've heard and read a number of business leaders, business communicators, who try to convince their people that the best form of communication, the most effective, most personal, the best form of communication by far and away is a face-to-face conversation. There's nothing that even comes close. And so in the business world, if, if you need to talk to a coworker, colleague, if, if you need to talk to a customer or a client, the best form of communication, your, your go-to ought to be a face-to-face conversation. But if that is impossible or absolutely impractical, then and only then should you resort to a phone call. It, it's just not the same. It is a sad substitution but sometimes you have to resort to a phone call. And if for some reason you can't make the phone call, then and only then should you resort to an email, a terrible form of communication. It's not the same as a phone call. It's awful. And if that is not available, then and only then, in an act of utter desperation, should you ever resort to a text message. The worst form of communication ever. And yet, that's the one that we have glommed onto so hardly. In fact, have you noticed that now we don't even want to type sentences. We don't even type full words in, in texting. We, we, we've narrowed it down to single-letter responses or emojis. 
It is a terrible form of communication. It's not the real thing. For a whole host of reasons, the best kind of communication, personally, the most effective, is a face-to-face conversation. All those other things are sad substitutes. They're just not the same. And in this time of pandemic quarantine and isolation and all that, I I tell you, I miss face-to-face conversations, don't you? I miss face-to-face conversations with my family and with friends and with my church family. All these other things are sad substitutes. They're just not the same. Here's another sad substitution. Digital church is not the same as a gathered church. Digital church, online church, is not the same as a gathered church, as actual church. While we're grateful to have these online services like this, it's better than nothing, but it's not the same. This week, I read a, a great article by John Stone Street on the Breakpoint uh, broadcast, and, uh, and, the, and the article was why we shouldn't get used to online church. I'm not going to read the whole article uh, this morning. It's too long. In fact, I'm going to read more than I should in a message, but, but he nails it. It's worth it. So just listen to this, why we shouldn't get used to online church. Stone Street said this, My church, like so many others, probably yours, has moved services online, taking advantage of technologies that weren't available until quite recently in church history. Still, it's not the same. The worship scripture commands in places like Hebrews 10, where we are told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, cannot be fully experienced online. I'm feeling this loss keenly, as are many other believers I talk with. This just hurts. This pain we feel should also encourage us, however. Our thankfulness for these good things, such as online services, home worship, listening to sermons on podcasts, should contain more than a hint of disappointment. They simply are not adequate replacements for what the life of the church should be. Not to mention, there simply are no substitutes for the sacraments of baptism and communion. In fact, if we're not feeling a serious loss right now, we should be worried. If remote services on a laptop feel normal, then church has become nothing more than a spectator activity, and we have become, well, spectators to worship rather than worshipers. We can no more permanently carry on our Christian relationships with God and church over an internet connection than spouses could carry on a marriage that way. This is the difference between doing church and being the church. While we are unable to meet for worship, the hunger for something more is a sign of spiritual life. We should encourage that hunger and certainly look forward to coming together again. Well, to that I say amen and amen. It's just not the same. Social media is not the same as social interaction. Digital church is not the same as a gathered church. Thirdly, Easter tradition is not the same as Easter worship. Easter tradition is not the same thing as Easter worship. This does not look like Easter. (laughs) This does not feel like Easter. And, And part of that is because of the the traditions that we associate with Easter. We have traditions in our families. In our family, we, traditionally, we, we have dyed Easter eggs. And then for some reason, we go out and hide them <laughs> so that somebody else can go find them. And we have Easter baskets filled with Easter candy. 
And, and you know, Easter Sunday, you're supposed to get a new outfit. So you need to go get, uh, and I don't know why, but it has to be a pastel-colored shirt or tie or a new white or pastel dress. But you're supposed to dress up when you go to church on, on Easter Sunday. And, and we're going to have Easter dinner with the family. These are all traditions that we have in our families. It's, it's just Easter. And when you don't have those, well, it just doesn't feel like Easter. It's just not the same, is it? The same is true at church. We have traditions um, that go along with Easter at church as well. In church life, Easter is Super Bowl Sunday of the church year. I mean, this is the biggest day of the year. We'll have the highest attendance of the year on Easter Sunday. Uh, part of that is because all of our church people decide to come on the same day. That hardly never happens. And so uh, everybody's here at the same time. And then we have more guests on Easter Sunday than we have any other Sunday of the year. And, and we want to make a good impression on our guests. And we want to have the, the building, the, we want the building to be uh, nice and clean and welcoming. And we want our people to be nice and clean and welcoming. Uh, we, want, we want our guests to have a warm, friendly welcome. And we want the music to be great. We want to have the best musicians uh, singing the best music. And, and the preacher needs to preach his best sermon and, and preach it the best way he can. And, and we just want to... We want to make a good impression. And I suppose that the underlying assumption and hope is that if, if we impress our guests enough, maybe they'll come back and eventually become regular attenders. Well, that hardly ever works out that way. As, as a pastor, I know that when I preach on Easter Sunday, I, I'm preaching to people that I probably won't see again until e uh, Christmas, or maybe not till next Easter. Maybe I'll never see them again. And so I've got one shot to present the gospel as clearly and concisely and as compellingly as I can. I got one shot. It is Super Bowl Sunday. It's the biggest Sunday of the year. Well, not this year. It's just not the same. This is different. So maybe, just this once this year, maybe one good thing that can come out of this very weird Easter Sunday is that we can kind of peel away those layers of tradition and distraction and focus on what Easter really is all about. Because Easter traditions are not the same as Easter worship. While Easter is just not the same this year, in some ways it is the same. For 2,000 years, Christians all over the world, in every kind of cultural setting, under every conceivable circumstance, Christians have celebrated one central truth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of those, uh, some of those Easter's took place um, in prosperity, others in abject poverty. Some in public, some in private. Some with freedom, some without freedom. Some under persecution, some not under persecution. In peacetime and in wartime, at home, away from home. Some with um, great high liturgy and pomp and circumstance, uh, 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 pomp and circumstance, that kind of a thing, celebration. Others with utter quiet and uh, quiet simplicity. Just every kind of... Of, of observance and yet it all boils down to one truth he is risen it's the same he is risen so today on this very different easter sunday let's celebrate that central truth the unvarnished unobscured truth of the resurrection of jesus christ here in acts chapter 2 peter is having 
one of those Super Bowl moments, a Super Bowl Sunday kind of event. Jews have gathered in, Jer in Jerusalem from everywhere. It is a high attendance day. And Peter gets up and preaches to multitudes. And he preaches what, what may have been the most important message of his life. 3,000 people got saved on this one day. And I want us to listen to just a little bit of that sermon here in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, look with me. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Move down to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Well, Let's notice, first of all, this morning, what we celebrate at Easter. The what of, of Easter, what we celebrate. First of all, we celebrate the fact that God delivered Jesus for our sins. God delivered Jesus for our sins. At verse 23, this man, speaking of Jesus, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. God delivered him up. He handed him over, surrendered him, gave him up as to an enemy. God delivered Jesus into the hands of those who crucified him. In John 3.16, a familiar verse, God so loved, he loved the world in this manner. Here's how God loved the world. He gave. He gave. He sacrificed. He gave at great personal loss and expense. He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins according to the predetermined plan of God. It wasn't an accident that Jesus was crucified. It wasn't a, a miscalculation or a misjudgment. Jesus did not misread the situation. It wasn't the result of a, of a plan gone awry. It actually was the result of a plan gone right. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, according to the plan of God. He is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. The Bible says that He bore our sins in His body on the cross. That's what we celebrate. That's, that's the Good Friday part of Easter weekend. But then it gets better. Number two, God raised Jesus from the dead. God raised Him from the dead. Verse 24, But God raised Him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for Him to be held in its power. And then you move down to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. God raised Him from the dead. This is the heart of Easter. This is what Easter is all about. This is what we celebrate. God raised Him from the dead. We do not remember a dead man. We worship a risen Savior. God raised Him. From the dead. And his resurrection is a, is a fulfillment of Scripture. 
It is a demonstration of God's power, and it is God's validation on the Lord's atoning sacrifice for our sins on the cross. God raised Him from the dead. And then thirdly, God exalted Jesus. God has exalted Him. In verse 33, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, He is seated at the right hand of majesty on high. Down in verse 36, Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ. Lord means owner, ruler, master. He is our sovereign master. God has made Him our sovereign master. And God has made Him Christ. That is the, the Greek word for the Hebrew idea of Messiah, God's anointed one, His king over His kingdom. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2, For this reason also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has exalted him. That's what we celebrate this Easter. That God has delivered Jesus for our sins. He raised Jesus from the dead. And God has exalted him. Now, why do we celebrate Easter? What does this have to do with us? Why do we celebrate? Well, let's, I want you to see. One, because of the resurrection, we can be saved from our sins. Because of the resurrection, we can be saved from our sins. I'd invite you, you're in, the, you're in Acts chapter 2, keep your place there and go with me. One right hand turn over to the book of Romans. And let's just take a quick little walking tour through Romans. Let me show you several verses here. In Romans 3.23, for example. In Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Sin is disobeying God, pure, pure and simple. It is doing those things God has commanded us not to do. It is failing to do those things that God has commanded us to do. And all have sinned. Every last one of us, we have, we have sinned against God. We have broken God's laws. We have transgressed His ways. We have disobeyed His commandments. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Over in chapter 4, in verse 25, 425. It says, He who was delivered over, again, handed over, surrendered. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions, our sins, and was raised because of our justification. In other words, He died for our sins, and He was raised again that we might be saved. Move over to chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died according to the predetermined plan of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. What I want you to hear is that without Jesus, we are the enemies of God. That's, that's what you hear in this text. We are the enemies of God. And that we, because of our sin, the wrath of God abides upon us. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. God has raised Him again for our justification. And the good news is that we can be saved from our sins, saved from the wrath of God to come, and be reconciled to God. And instead of being the enemies of God, we'll actually become the children of God. 
All because Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised again. We can be saved from our sins. Move over to chapter 6, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is God's gift. It's a free gift. You don't earn it. You don't pay for it. You, you'll never deserve it. It's God's gracious, merciful gift through Jesus Christ our Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul kind of puts it, puts it in negative terms. He says it this way, If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. If Christ be not raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. But because Christ is risen, because God raised Him from the dead, because of the truth of Easter that we celebrate, your faith is not worthless and you are not in your sins anymore. We have been saved from our sins in Christ Jesus. Because He died on the cross, because God raised Him from the dead, because He is both Lord and Christ, you can be saved from your sins. Uh, turn with me to Romans 10. We're in Romans, taking a, taking a walk. Look at Romans 10. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, owner, master, ruler, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Move down to verse 13. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you will repent, if you'll turn away from sin and self in the world and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, knowing and believing that He died on the cross for your sins, He was buried and God has raised Him from the dead, that He is both Lord and Christ, He is the only Savior, you turn to Him and you call out to Him. And you say, oh Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I admit it. I own it. And I believe that you died for me and that you're alive today. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And if you'll do that, you'll be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's why we celebrate. Because we can be saved from our sins. Not only that, but number two, we can have His life today. Here's why we celebrate Easter. We can have His life today. This risen Christ offers life. His life. Eternal life a quality of life, an abundant life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it abundant. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. Jesus died your death so that you might live his life. In fact, the Bible says Christ is our life. In Galatians 2, Paul puts it this way, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Listen. Jesus did not die on the cross and rise from the grave so that He might help you with your life. He died on the cross and rose from the dead that He might be your life. You see, becoming a Christian isn't about adding Jesus to your life. It is about dying to sin and self and Jesus becoming your life. That's what it means to be a Christian. We celebrate Easter because as Christ was risen from the dead uh, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. We can have life, His life, right now, a present possession. And then thirdly, we have the hope of our resurrection. Back at Peter's sermon in Acts 2, 24, God has raised Him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for Him to be held in its power. We have the hope of our resurrection. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 6.14. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through His power. 
Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that liveth, uh, liveth and believeth in me shall never die. In 2 Timothy 1.10, Paul tells us that our Savior Christ Jesus abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Death is defeated. The grave could not hold Jesus, and the grave will not hold his followers either. Death is a defeated enemy. Well, this is Easter, and it's just not the same. On the other hand, it is the same. I don't know why we dye Easter eggs. I don't know why we feel compelled to hide them so that someone else might go find them. I don't know why we have Easter baskets full of candy, although I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know why we have to wear pastel-colored clothes on Easter Sunday. And I, I don't know why we do all those things. I've done them all my life. Not this Easter. It's just not the same. Well, I don't know why we do all those things, but I do know why we celebrate Easter, because we serve a risen Savior. And because He is risen... We can be saved from our sins. We can have life today. And we have hope for tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for the truth of Easter. Whether we're gathered together or not, whether we're, we go through all these traditions or not, one thing has stayed the same. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We don't remember a dead man. We serve a living Savior. Lord, we thank you for the gospel and what it means to us. And I pray for the one who's never been saved. Lord, help them to hear and to understand and to know they need Jesus Christ. They need to be saved. They need to be reconciled to you. And Lord, I pray that this Easter Sunday would be the day that they would be raised from the dead, so to speak. That they would come to faith in Christ and be born into your family, saved from their sins, and receive the gift of eternal life. And Lord, as your followers... I pray that we on this Easter Sunday, of all Sundays, would celebrate our risen Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.